0: Welcome to In Scripture Podcast. We're so glad to have you listen with us while we dive into scripture to dissect God's word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave us questions and feedback as you journey with us through his word.
1: Welcome to In Scripture. It's nice to have everybody here with us. Serge, how are you doing? I am doing good. How are you, Mark? I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I'm kind of disappointed.
0: Mark, you should have you said a different intro. You should have said grace to you and peace to God, <laughs> our Father, Lord Jesus
1: Christ. Serge, Serge, do you hear that? Is that, do you hear Alex? Do I want to hear Alex? Because he's not here in the room and yet I can hear his voice. What's going on here? Alex, yeah. where are you? Alex is still lost in Atlanta. <laughs> in Alex Atlanta, is still in Atlanta, the aquarium. Yeah. Uh, how are you, Alex? How are you doing over there, away from?
0: Ready to, ready to come home. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, my wife will will Facetime me with my with my kid, and then he'll, uh, you know, he'll be he'll be so happy to see me, and he'll start showing all his stuff to me. Um, but then when he gets, you know, he gets annoyed on being on Facetime too long. He just starts waving goodbye. <laughs> like, all right,
1: Dad. You sure that's <laughs> him, or maybe fun, maybe your wife I, is I like go play. pinching him a little bit? Like, hey, I'm done here. No, uh,
0: no, he. I I think I would think that he would get mad if I left, but it's actually the opposite. He 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 does his thing, and then he's like, all right, I gotta go play.
1: <laughs> play. He's got a busy schedule. He's got priorities. His priorities <laughs> are straight. Yep. I I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit and. Alex, maybe since you've been gone for you know two weeks already and maybe you'd have a, a more of a longing heart for your local church. And I know you come back for the weekends anyways, but just being away is something that always kind of helps us reflect on how happy we are at home. You know, like you don't realize how much you miss home until you're gone for a little while. And you're like, man, I really just wish I was in my own bed, in my own shower. You know, I wish I saw my people, you know, my family, my friends. Um, and I wanted us maybe to do a real quick cold open because we do have a, a very hefty passage that we're going to be covering today in Ephesians. But before we start, I just wanted to ask you guys what you think. And we, we talk about church a lot. Obviously, it is a very important topic. It's a very it's a very deep topic when it comes to your relationship with Christ and your relationship with the church. Not that your relationship with the church necessarily Saves you, but it goes so close hand in hand with with how how close you are to Christ. And I wanted to ask you both. I know it's very broad, but why is it so important for a believer to have a church of his or own? You know why why you on mean, one you mean to be part of a to church? be part of a church? Yeah, to have a, a congregation that is their own, a a, a a local church, not a worldwide church not you know we we talk a lot about we even talked about prayer recently and a lot of what we talked about in prayer was you know close your eyes go to a room shut the door you know be very private it's a personal relationship with Christ we bring it up all the time that it's a personal relationship with Christ so why why is it so important for a believer to have his or her her own local church that they are attending and it's an active in Alex what do you think I think
0: I don't know. To do with community, um, community in Christ is what I like to call it. I think we we've talked about this a little bit before, um, but design God designs us designed us to have this openness to relationship with others. We need support, and we can provide support. I think a church is an important place where you not only can um, get the spiritual food, get the medicine that you need. Um, for your spiritual life to heal, but at the same time, you can help others receive, and you can help others heal. And when you're all in one place um, on the same topic, same mindset, and you everybody just wants to praise, praise God, and, and talk about Him and about the things He did. I think that connection is what is really important because uh, sometimes, couple days is even too long if you don't have that. That's why it's important to also have our home church, our family church within you know our household, have to have that little church between you and your spouse and your children um, in order to continue that church community, even in your home.
1: Well, if if that's what you're thinking a church is for, can I just argue that this is 2021, Alex, I can just join a Facebook group if I really want to be part of a community. Like I, I can well, I can follow a couple Christian pages. Face to
0: face Yeah, you need that face to face connection. You need you need to be in presence. Um being in presence physically is I think one of the more important things. It's it's not something that could be done virtually.
1: Okay. Serge, what about you? Why why do you think it's so important to
2: Um there's a lot of reasons. There's I don't think there's one right answer. Um, I think the ultimate reason is because Christ created the church, right? He created it and therefore we have to be part of it. Um, Not only that you have to be part of it, you should really want to be part of it, right? There should be a definitely an urge and desire, right? Because you get a sense of belonging, you get a sense of commitment, you get a sense of responsibility, accountability, support, you know, the things that Alex already mentioned. And it's not just for ourselves on a personal level, right? It's not what what can the church provide for me? It's also what you can provide to the church. And it's not just the church. It's what you, the church can provide for the community, right? For those that are around them. I mean, there's a church does so many things um, that a lot of people don't even think about. Uh, like for example, uh, Christmas is coming up soon. Uh, probably already started uh, the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. That's started by a church and all the good that goes through that, right? Samaritan's Purse. It's started by a church, by a Christian person, right? To reach people all over the world to spread the gospel as much as possible. That's that's why the church, one of the main reasons why the church was created is to equip people to spread the gospel, um, to spread the kingdom. And of course, in scripture, um, it's also written that uh Hebrews ten twenty five says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, right? So we have kind of like this command to meet together, to belong together uh, with people. There's no specific standard uh, command or law in terms of how big the church should be, what language it should be, whatever. That, that is not even a secondary issue, right? That's, that's like 10th, 20th type place. But the point is, is that we God wants us to be together because he created us that way. We are social beings that need each other to push forward.
1: I love that. That last part specifically was exactly what I was going to kind of touch on as my main reason that I, I believe that God created us with internal like longing to be part of a community. And we see that right now with social media more than ever we see how, how much people are longing to be part of something, you know, like even if it's dumb things, like they just want to be a part of something. They want to feel like they're not alone. Even people who maybe 20 years ago would have been considered introverts who just kind of sit in their room alone. Even introverts have a group now, you know, like everyone has a a group because they want that because it's just natural for us to desire community. And, and I thought of a passage um, which is written in, in Ecclesiastes. It's, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. And this passage is often used as a relationship kind of thing, um, which I don't think is necessarily wrong in that context. I just don't think that the context of the chapter is necessarily talking about a man and a woman falling in love because a couple verses later, verse 12, we read, And if one prevails against him, two shall withstand him, and, threefold, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken." I think the whole message that's being pushed out here is that we are stronger together, that there is more that you can accomplish as a man. Like Serge was saying, you can, you can do a lot of good as an individual, but if you have 20 people standing behind you, supporting you and encouraging you, and whether that is with physical labor, whether it's material uh, with materialism, with, with money and goods and things that you might need, whether it's spiritual support, we're stronger when we're together. And so, of course, as believers, the ones who are persecuted more than anybody on this earth, we, we have the most to gain from being together in a mm-hmm. community because we're the ones who are attacked more than anybody. The devil is never trying to stop hurting us. So we more than anybody need to have that community in our life, surrounding ourselves with people who are saved by the same blood of Jesus, people who are like-minded in what we believe. <sighs> All right. You guys ready to get into the scripture? (laughs) Good transition. (laughs) I I I figured I'm just gonna go. I don't I don't have any time to be clever today. Don't you ever dare call me out of my (laughs) (laughs)
0: transition?
1: Maybe Alex had a good transition. I'm gonna attempt it today. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, before we get into it, I think it's maybe it's smart for us to maybe mention that this this passage that we're about to read is very controversial. Well, th- when you put it that way, <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. it, it is. That's just the fact of the matter. and and I want us to just be honest with the listeners that this is a passage that to this day, very, very educated people still debate on, which is which is saying something because we're not that educated. you know, we're just a couple guys who who love the Bible and and I want us, I want all of you listeners to be aware of that and to pray for us as we go through this. Passage. I know that you'll be listening to this later, but keep us in your prayers regardless because we always need God's wisdom. For future stuff. Yeah, Yeah, we always need God's wisdom when it comes to interpreting his word. Um, We're not going to get super crazy into this. Um, We will say our opinion. We're going to tell you what the text is telling. Um, We're not going to dig too deep into this. And I hope that you guys can be um, merciful towards us if we say something a little wrong or a little off.
2: Yeah. Ephesians it's um I think I know we did James like we dissected that pretty pretty well and you and I thought that was hard. but when I started studying <laughs> Ephesians, I was like,
1: oh wow <laughs> I when I tell you I read this passage 15 times like an hour ago before I got here, I legit sat here and read this I read the first chapter at least fifteen times. Just reading it and rereading it and rereading it. And I was just like, man.
0: Usually, usually, when I read it more than once, I start understanding it more. But the more I started reading it, the more I started questioning <laughs> it I was reading. <laughs> Do I really understand this?
2: I think the one best way to explain why this is so complicated is actually there's a word in, ver- in verse 8, 9. It's mystery. God is a big mystery that we cannot fully comprehend Mm -hmm. while we're here on earth.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. But uh, let's get into it. We can try,
0: and that's what we're going to do.
2: Exactly. Uh,
0: Just a little recap. We talked about um, the beginning first two verses. We we really got into Paul and who he was writing to, why he was writing this. Uh, We talked a little bit about the formation of uh, the church, why uh, Ephesus was uh, an important place to Paul. And not only to Paul, but to others who were involved in the New Testament. But um, we talked about to the saints who are in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. It was who Paul was writing to. Um, He gets into verse 3, and I think us covering this section, verses 3 to 14, I'm sure you guys can agree. We're going to talk a lot about uh, what the redemption in Christ is and um, how Christ views us as his creation and what is important that he's done with us and to us and for us.
2: Yeah, uh, it's important to keep in mind that as you read Ephesians, each chapter builds upon the previous one. Um, I mean, right. obviously, yes, this is one big letter, right? We added chapters and verses later, but when you, if you were to break it apart Chapter one is like a huge overview of the whole letter. And then two builds on top of that. It picks out a few specific details and the whole chapter is just about that. The chapter three is a few details from chapter two and it's the whole chapter about that. And so, and then there's a pivot point, chapter four, and we'll hopefully get into that. But just know that chapter one is like the building foundation block. Um, And it's very interesting because it's like this poem, right? Verse three through 14, is like this very lovely poem of who, Christ is, what he's done for us, how we're redeemed through him and and
1: all that. Um, Which should explain why it's so complicated for us to, or for anybody for that matter, to explain these couple verses because Paul here basically explains the foundation of everything we believe in 14 verses, you know? And of course he keeps going on to it in the other chapters, like Serge was saying, but it, he condenses it into this little section. And so obviously there's so much more to it. There's so much depth to it. And so going through this passage, when you read one verse, you're just thinking of 50 others because there's so much that he's trying to condense into this small little letter that he's sending to the church of Ephesus.
2: Uh, Just a little background to help us understand why uh, Paul is kind of starting his letter this way. So as we kind of mentioned it last week too, but Ephesus was an epicenter for pagan worship, right? There was the temple of Artemis in that city. It was a big city, huge city very popular, very wealthy. Uh, It was a trade city. It was a port city. So there's a lot of people. There's a huge theater, over 25,000 seats, I think, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And Paul spent three years here working in this city, building the church up, trying to solidify it. And if you read Acts chapter 19, it talks about how Paul came to this city and all the work that he'd done and all the struggles that he went to. Like there was even a huge, um, almost a riot that broke out uh, with thousands of people shouting, you know, praise to Artemis, praise to, after, after like all the work that, that Paul put into the city, they start rioting and start shouting praise to Artemis or, or, or you know, bowing down to her. Uh, there was magic uh, down in there. If you read that Acts 19, you'll see that they burned those books. And when they calculated those books, their worth, they burned over 50 over 5,000 pieces worth of silver worth of books about art, about arcane arts. It's crazy, you know the things that this city was going through. so and since Paul was writing this letter when he's already in prison in Rome, um, these actually the, the elders in Ephesians from Ephesians were the last people that he saw before he was captured in Jerusalem. So this church had a very special place in his heart. And so he takes the time, Understand, he understands how difficult it is for them to live in the city of Ephesus. So he takes the time to make sure that the foundation, which is Christ, is mentioned first and that, that they get that right first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and read it. Let's read it, yeah.
1: Sorry, do you want to read 3 through 14, I guess? Let's just read all of it and then we'll go verse yeah. by verse and, and break it down.
2: All right. So Ephesians chapter 1, starting verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory.
1: Wow. All right, Alex, take it away. All right, Alex, you got this, you got 50 50
2: minutes. (laughs)
0: verse three kind of opens up um the word blessed and blessing to me uh reading verse three it says blessed be the god and the father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ so when i read this i ask myself right away well paul you just mentioned that he has blessed us with spiritual blessing what is spiritual blessing what is what is the spiritual blessing that he's talking about and I think to really break this down in an easy way, and I'm not going to go into detail, but just to skim over these verses, uh, verses 4, 5, and 6, I think Paul focuses on one little category or one blessing that he is referring to, that he is talking about. Um, and then he, he kind of actually brings that all the way to 14. Uh, if you pay attention, uh, kind of going through 4 and 5, he talks about uh, the blessing of uh, being chosen and having predestination and adoption, and then in verse six, he says that um, we are—we have the—it's kind of the blessing to praise the glory of his of his grace by which he made us accepted the beloved. So he gives us grace. In verse seven, he talks about how in him we have redemption, and then in verses nine and ten, and it goes on and it goes on. What I'm saying is it kind of builds up upon the blessings that um, God blessed us with, and he starts out with verse four. Um, which is, we can get into that as well. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be the holy and without blame before him in love.
1: That's it. We're done. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) It's 10 verses right there. We'll see you next week. We said we're going to keep it simple.
0: the, um verses 4 and 5, we see, we see it says, just as he chose us, so um, keyword chose us in him. So right away, uh, we could start thinking towards that route. But in verse 5, having predestined us to adoption uh, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasures of his will. So by his will, um, God chose us in him before the foundation. So he chose us even before, obviously, we were born, before time. Um, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So we are to be separate, to be uh, different, to be his.
2: Yeah. I want to fo- focus a little bit on the blessed be the God of our father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Me too. I think um, him stating that is a very important factor between, he's trying to portray the relationship between Christ, Jesus, and God, the father, that they are, one that they are together. It's not there's God the Father, Correct. the Trinity, and, yeah.
1: yeah. the Trinity. Which and is all in this little text. Yeah. And this in these from three to fourteen, all three heads of this tri, of the triune God is all present. We have the, the Father, yep. we have the Son, and then it ends it off with the Holy Spirit. Yeah.
2: And everyone let's just say, you know, supposedly everyone knows God the Father or, or because you know God of the Israelites, God of the Jews. They are very well established of who their God is but Jesus Christ, right? This is something that just happened recently. Maybe not everyone has heard about Christ yet, especially in minor Asia here uh, where Ephesus is located. So here Paul kind of introduces, not introduces, but cause he's already been there before, but he makes sure that they understand that Jesus Christ is from God. He's not just a prophet, he's not just somebody. He is our Lord, he is our Christ and God is his father. Right? They belong to each other, they are one. And of course, with the spiritual blessing part, like you mentioned, Alex, in the heavenly places, I think there's two aspects to this. One is, like you already mentioned, our redemption, our salvation that we have in heaven through Jesus Christ. And at the same time, as he goes further on, it's that the power of the Holy Spirit that lives us, lives in us, right? Being sealed, our guarantee, our helper, our support that Christ's promise is gonna send the Holy Spirit. I think that also is part of the spiritual blessing.
1: I think it's also important that he again we're we're talking to people who for the most part even though Paul does address this letter to saints meaning people who are of of Christ, people who are believers already, but these are people who like Serge is saying, they may have been pagans for their entire life. You know, they could have spent 40, 50 years of their life being pagans and just recently repented and become saints. So a lot of what we think is common knowledge to us, to them could have been something that they don't fully understand. I personally think that him marking the spiritual blessing side of it is another way of explaining that what you believe in doesn't necessarily bless you physically. Mm -hmm. It's a spiritual blessing. And he even adds spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that our blessings are, so far from physical on this earth. Because if you do follow Christ, it's kind of the opposite. You're you're almost gonna suffer physically in those aspects. Again, he doesn't get into that, but it would make sense why he would establish that idea with these people who up until this point were probably serving Greek gods or Roman gods who they are that kind of God, who you basically, as long as you pray to him, you'll be blessed physically. You know, if you pray for rain, then you'll be blessed with rain. If you pray for food, you'll be blessed with food. Which <laughs> which we do understand that our prayer with God is similar to that, but we know that our blessing, our ultimate calling, our ultimate reward is heavenly, not earthly.
2: And there's so much more to that heavenly blessing that I think we can add. I'm just gonna briefly mention it but not actually talk about it because it's really a whole separate subject matter in its own but there's verses in the Bible where many of us probably heard of where it says that Christ is our advocate. He intercedes for us. He's our mediator. And these are things that Christ is currently doing between us and the God, the father. He's not just sitting there waiting for us. He's actually actively interceding for us. He's actively advocating on our behalf. And this is all ties into that spiritual blessing in
1: heavenly places. Verse four.
0: Yep. Agreed.
1: Verse 4, just as, he chose, uh, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love.
0: I think you should continue to 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasures of his will. So he, he, chose, he chose us in him before the foundation. So he already chose us, and it says that we should be holy and without blame. Um, I think those are important characteristics that we should consider, that we should have. Uh, If we are chosen, we will be um, holy and without blame before him in love. And then verse 5, having predestined us to adoption. So um, when I think of adoption, I I think of uh, being taken in into a family. Um, It says that us to adoption as sons. So as sons uh, by Christ himself, according to the pleasure of his will. So he wanted to do this. It was his will. Um, he is open to doing that. And he takes us in. He adopts us into the family. Um, and that's why we should uh, be without blame before him in love. We should strive to. Well, there's. Um, go ahead.
2: I was going to just kind of emphasize the adoption part as sons because it's very important. Because in verse 11, he goes in to say, In him who, ha- who we have obtained an inheritance. So if you know anything about a lot of the world's cultures, specifically the Israelites, the Jewish, uh, the person that gets the biggest part of the father's inheritance is the oldest son. Not so much, Mm -hmm. not the daughter um, or the daughters or the youngest son. The oldest son gets the biggest portion and then everything else is kind of divided amongst the sons. And if he doesn't have sons, then it's kind of the daughters. But it's the oldest son. And so therefore he takes um, great care with mentioning that we are adopted as sons because there's an inheritance that is waiting for us in heaven, which is, you know, again, (laughs) the spiritual blessing part in heavenly places. The inheritance is heaven itself. We get to partake in that because if you read uh, Romans 8, 17, um, it talks about that we are heirs to his kingdom and the only people that could be heirs are sons. So that's why we are adopted as sons. And this is not necessarily a gender thing. This is just emphasizing a point of how close God is trying to bring us to himself through Jesus
0: Christ. Yeah, and and you made that connection with Romans uh, 8, uh, 17. It's showing that being his children, right, uh, and having faith in Christ that everything God has, everything he has is ours as well, Uh, including um, MacArthur notes in his, some of his notes that I read, he talks about that his righteousness, his resources, his privilege, position, his power. So all of these things that God has, um, I think we attain as being his adopted sons. Mm -hmm.
2: Yep. And um, I don't know, Mark, if you want to mention it or not, but um, you can add on. But I just want to quickly mention the, um, well, I guess the whole controversial thing there. So we have the predestination and chosen words here. With, with <laughs> I was debating on
1: whether I should, we should just go into it, I guess, because it's the elephant in the room, you know, like that's the thing that is so controversial. So I want to uh,
2: jump back to Deuteronomy chapter seven. Um, this is when God speaks to his nation. Uh
1: Deuteronomy chapter seven and it's gonna be verse six. We're gonna be doing a series on Deuteronomy. If you guys don't know, we're gonna be going through it verse by verse. Deuteronomy is not so bad. You should you should, you should read <laughs> Leviticus. We're
0: gonna start with numbers actually. Ah uh, okay. Oh, numbers, yeah.
2: <laughs> mm. All right, so Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse six, God says the following: For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. This is not because you are more in number than any other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all peoples, but is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of the slavery from the hand of the Pharaoh king of Egypt. So what this is telling us is the fact that God made a promise, right? To the great patriarchs of our faith right it can go back as far as Abraham, but really can go back as far as Adam and Eve right and he told them he even back then told them that there's going to be a redeemer for their sins there's going to be a redeemer for their sins back then it was a great big mystery but um, it, and it unfolds through throughout history but the promise was still made there and if you read Genesis. The promise is kept through the lineage of the faithful people. It is not kept through the lineage of those that have fallen away from God. It is kept through the lineage of the faithful people. And so what that tells me about this whole chosen and predestination part is that God chose the church, right? God chose the people that love him, people that are faithful to him, obey him, uh, people that love Christ, they are the ones that are going to be adopted as sons. Those who believe in Christ's death and resurrection for their sins as their personal savior, right? Which then you kind of become part of the church. Those are the ones that are going to get the inheritance. Those are the ones that are being adopted. And those are the ones that are going to be in glory with Christ in heaven. That's, that's how um, I believe that this uh, predestination chosen part that uh, Paul is talking about. Because if, again, if you think of Ephesus, they were amongst the most you know, pagan worshipers uh, amongst the most pagan worshiping people at that time, they were completely surrounded by it. And so you have this little church there and they're trying to like, make sure you remember you are the church. The church is chosen for Christ, right? It's not the pagan worshipers. It's not the Muslims. It's not all those other people. All right. It's, it's not a nationality thing, right? It's a heart thing. Um, That's all I was like. Do you want to add something onto Ed. that Mark?
1: Did you have something to say right, Alex? Okay. um, I, As I was studying through this and I was was kind of researching and looking at different translations and different passages that might talk about this as well, um, a a point that I heard someone say, and I really like that point because it's, it's, it's a common mistake that I feel like humans make when they're reading scripture and it's when they assume that scripture is written and directed at me and how people will will stretch scripture to kind of relate it to myself and make sure that I can like put myself into the scripture. Whereas, and there are certain passages that are like that, but a lot of scripture is just meant to be teaching. It's just meant for us to just learn. It, it doesn't necessarily have to like have a place for me to insert myself into that passage. And this person was explaining this passage in particular and his, his conclusion, the way he concluded it in like a sentence was that predestination is more about God than it is about us. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the problem with taking predestination to its like ultimate wrong conclusion. When you make it about me, then you start kind of fitting in the pieces to make it seem like, oh, I'm chosen. Oh, I'm predestined. Oh, I was chosen by God before the foundations were set. Like you make it about yourself but when you focus on God and when you realize it's not really about us, it's not really about necessarily our place in everything. It's more about God and what he did, the way he predestined what was going to happen to us if we decide to be faithful to him. And when you look at it that way, it's more, I don't know, you realize that it, it's not the super Calvinistic side of it. And it's more just God has an ultimate plan. And it's up to us to do our part in it, which is being faithful. Like Serge said, it's up to us to to repent and to accept him. And we read that in verse 13 and 14 about, it's up to us to hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you have to believe. Paul writes in verse 14, you have to, or verse 13, you have to believe. You personally have to believe. You're not saved if you don't believe. There is no predestination for someone who has no interest, no belief, no trust, no understanding of Christ. You personally have to have that faith in him. And then the things that, like Serge was saying, the things that God predestined for us, the the blessings, the the heavenly gifts, those things are then given to us. Those are things that have already been prepared long in advance for us. They're waiting for us.
2: Yep. Alex, do you have something to add on?
0: So God God goes through and um, he does the choosing he predestines us to adoption and why why does he do this why does he pick us why does he choose us and i think the answer you guys will give will lead us into verse six Um, why do you guys think
2: in love or unless you're uh talking about you said leading into verse six well the purpose of his will
0: yeah i agree
2: what is the purpose of his will
0: Right. And because that's kind of like verse end of verse five and into verse six, that uh, according to the good pleasure of his will. And in verse six, to the the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So only his grace um, gives us that position to be in where we are accepted by him, um, that we are the beloved. And that kind of even goes into verse seven. So this is kind of like a snowball effect. Um, you're seeing, you know, you're seeing this uh, pause kind of putting this topic, this subject into bigger and bigger form. And again,
1: he he really does point out how the thing that was kind of predestined from the beginning was Christ coming to this earth and dying for us. That was ultimately the thing that was, was set in stone before the foundations of the earth. And he keeps bringing Christ back into it, you know, having predestined us to adoption by sons, by Christ to himself. So through Christ, we are adopted as sons. And then in this verse, uh, to praise praise the good pleasures of his will, or no, to praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved, capital B, beloved. He's talking about Christ there too. Mm -hmm. That we are made to be accepted in Christ, not because of anything we do, not because of who we are, not because he chose us specifically to be part of this, Blessing, but because he chose Christ to be that blessing for us. And through Christ, we have the chance to participate in the good pleasures of his will. Through Christ, we have that. And he keeps emphasizing Christ, and we're going to keep reading about it. Christ is at the center of everything. And that's why he keeps trying to teach them, the people of Ephesus, that Christ is at the center of everything you believe. Yep.
0: Yeah. And, and you mentioned the, the keyword beloved there. I think in, in Matthew chapter three, verse 17, if we remember, um, it's written that and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. So he is talking about Christ.
2: Yep. Um, which goes on further. Uh, verse. Uh, so I'm just going to read verse seven through ten because it's really one big mm-hmm. phrase and then we can just talk about it as we see fit. you know, just reading this just now, it really wrap, wraps up really well what we've just mentioned with a few extra, you know, sprinkles on top. Um, but a lot of this we just talked about, the why behind it, right? In verse six, it says, to the praise of his glorious grace, right? This is all for God. This is nothing for, to do for us or as much as with us, but this is all for his glory. In him, we have the redemption. So I kind of, that redemption word kind of struck my interest, um,
1: I know where you're going with this. What? No, just go finish it. I I want to hear what you have to say. So when I was looking up the word redemption here, I got a
2: little uh, interested in exactly why redemption. So it means that there was a price that had to be paid, right? Uh, Suffering had to be done on someone's end for redemption to actually happen. That's kind of what redemption means is that There's suffering on the behalf of somebody else, a price that's paid on behalf of somebody else. And of course, as chapter uh, verse seven goes on, right? Through his blood, uh, the suffering of Christ was the ultimate price. Now, (laughs) I know it's like, we hear this phrase a lot, like your soul came at a hefty price, right? Your salvation was bought by the price, by the blood of Christ. But we never ever talk about, in terms of that transaction, really, right? Did God actually owe anybody anything that He had to use Christ as a payment for some for us? No. no, He doesn't own anyone anything. So, for what was the price paid for then? For our sins. For our sins, right? Just like verse seven says, for the forgiveness of our trespasses, right? That's the price that. That's why the redemption had to happen is for our trespasses because of our sins, we can't be with God ever. He can't be in our presence ever because we are sinful, but because of Christ, by his blood, we have that redemption. We have that reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ and it's all for his glory.
1: I was listening to a sermon on this passage and the preacher was saying that in the Greek translation, there are are two different words for what we have, the word redemption or or redeeming. Um, And he said that one one of the translations is redeeming, but it's more in terms of like possessions. Like you can go to the marketplace and redeem something from there. And now it is yours. It's your property. And then there's the other text, which is redeeming. And it's speaking on more human lives and you can redeem a slave. But that second text specifically is more, in lines of not just redeeming to keep, but it's redeeming to set free. Mm-hmm. Like that set free part is the, the real difference maker in that other definition. And that second definition is the word that we're here reading here actually, mm-hmm. that it's not just redemption, that we're not just bought by the blood of Christ and now we're his, but he bought us because we were slaves to sin. Mm-hmm. We were we, we were and we are born in sin, we're born in death, This whole world is falling apart and the only thing that can set us free, not just by us, but set us free from that sin is the blood of Christ. I like like that little,
0: would you you guys agree with me? Would you guys agree with me to say that that's part of the blessing that we talked about in verse three, having this redemption?
2: Well, yeah, it's definitely a spiritual blessing. It's not a physical. Yeah, I agree. It's not so much. That's a physical why I was kind blessing. of
0: saying in the beginning. I was I was thinking that you can connect. It's like a puzzle piece. Um, uh, the verses that Paul opens up with are just. Um, it's like a puzzle piece. It all comes together in a picture the further you read.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, like when you say, "Okay, how can this possibly get better?" Well, if you continue reading, right at the end of verse yeah. seven, leading to verse eight, it says according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Like when you like lavish, that is not a word that you hear very often, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, Alex or uh, Mark. Wh- what does your guys's translation use for your guys's word?
0: Abound toward
1: abound. Mm-hmm. Do you have what the ESV? Yeah. Yeah, we have the NKJV.
0: Okay.
2: So yeah, abound. Which is more, when I looked at, when I looked this word up too, and abound did come across. And the meaning that it's trying to get across is that pretend, although there isn't, but pretend that God had to spend X amount of grace to save you, right? But He went above and beyond that requirement. He lavished this grace upon you know us through Jesus Christ. He lavished, like it's, <laughs> I'm trying to explain it and there's I can't a, because it's no so great. Limit.
0: There's no limit. There's no
2: there's limit. limit. And, grace. and even if there was, God exceeded that limit, right? He paid all of it as much as he could. Plus on top of that, that's, that's how rich and gracious and loving God really is.
0: Wow. It, it, it connects with Romans 5.20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more.
1: Yep. And it's kind of, that might be one of the biggest reasons that I think believers struggle with their belief. Because at a certain point, everything we believe does make sense. But then again, at, one, at a certain point, if you dig deep enough, like we are, it really doesn't make sense. Like there's no reason for God to do that. We don't deserve it. There's no reason that he should do that for us. There's no reason that us sinners who lie, steal, cheat, we look at things we should not look at. We listen to things we should not listen to. We associate with people who we are not supposed to associate ourselves with. We are dripping in sin and death. And yet God does this. (laughs) He he pours this grace on us. I think that's a part that, some believers really struggle with, how, how can that be true? Because it's so illogical to a human. It doesn't make sense for a human to listen to that and think God forgives me no matter what and he loves me no matter what and his grace is abounding no matter what. It just, it contradicts everything we are thought to believe as people and yet that's, that's grace. That's, it's a type of grace that we don't understand. And yet all we can really do if you do have Christ in your heart is just thank him for being that mediator. Because again, all of this is possible because of Christ. Christ is the one who makes this a reality for us.
2: Alex, you got anything to share?
0: Oh, we can keep going.
2: All right. So, uh, and again, you know, because it's just really one big phrase. So verse eight and going into verse nine, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, make known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So again, we have that in Christ part, but, um, just backing up a bit it says, making known to us the mystery of his will. Like, like Mark was just saying, we don't deserve this. And, the more spiritually you grow and try to understand God, the more you realize just how, how little you actually know how great God is and how limited our minds are to try to comprehend who God is and why he does things the way he does things and how he does things. And you know, this, this is not the first time that um, you hear this phrase, you know, the mystery of his will. Uh, I'm going to reference just one of the many passages in, going back to the Old Testament, even back then, some of the greatest prophets uh, that spoke directly with God. uh, Isaiah 55, verse eight and nine, uh, he writes, this is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, That just goes to show like, God thinks on a completely different level than we are than we think, right? We only think about us and what immediately impacts us. God thinks about the whole world past, present, and future at one time. Every single little detail. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling just how great and how everything just, you know, comes together. Like just think about all the prophecies that Uh, The Old Testament talks about Jesus Christ being born and dying on the cross. And when you read the Gospels and how just those three years of Christ's ministry on earth, right, not even if you don't even take into account his birth, but just how he died, like how all those prophecies were fulfilled in just like that one moment, those few moments, it's just mind boggling how mysterious God's will is and how great it is and how he just allows things to just fall into place just like they should be and this was the plan that he set forth in Christ um, from the very beginning
0: and it's just great yeah and verse 10 goes into goes into kind of this reassurance um, he might gather and that at, there is going to be a point in time where the world history is going to be gone it's going to be over right it's going to be complete it's going to be there's going to be an ending um, this is not eternity um, yeah yeah and that, that the completion of history, you know, it goes into revelations that God will gather everything to himself. So everything that is his, uh, he will gather to himself, um, into eternity, his eternity to be with him. Um, and then there's going to be a new universe, a new earth. Um, and that, the the key point is that the new, the new universe, the new, uh, place where we be in eternity, um, it is going to be unified with Christ. Yep. And I think that's what verse 10 kind of gets into.
2: And um, I think it goes on actually a little more. I think it's talk because it's talk about to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So I think mm-hmm. to add on to what you already said, it's not just, you know, like the future sense, but it's the now sense right now. Because technically speaking, we are united with God as we speak through Jesus Christ, right? Right. It, it's no longer a requirement for you to be a Jew in order for you to be chosen by God. That's no, long, that's no longer a requirement, right? That was Old Testament requirement. This is the New Testament, the new covenant that Christ has placed is that, um, and we read this in Paul's other epistles that Colossians, we, we talked about this, where there's neither Greek nor Jew nor barbarian nor Scythian, but all in all are in Christ. So it doesn't matter who you are, Russian, American, you know, Chinese or whatever, what color skin you have. It comes down to you and Christ. You are uh, believing in Jesus Christ as your personal savior. That's what unites us through him.
1: And it, I like that the, the comparison that he gives, as we read in verse five, is it's almost like we are his children. And with going with what you're saying, which you guys are talking about unity, family is family no matter where you live. And that's, I think that's a, a huge point that we are, and the next verse goes into the inheritance that we have that we touched on earlier. But if we are children of God, and I don't mean that in the like overused cliche that we kind of have nowadays, but we are literally the child of God. We are adopted in him through Christ. Well, then like Serge said, whoever believes in him, just as I do, is my brother or my sister which means that we are united as he said here and now. Yes, ultimately as Alex you brought up, ultimately we are looking forward to to heavenly things. We are looking forward to a time where our current history will be done with and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and we will finally be at our at our real home because we are pilgrims here. But in the meantime, we are united through Christ because we are all his children on this earth. Amen.
0: Which brings us where we're still rolling down this this mountain and where the snowball is getting bigger and bigger. And now we get into verse 11. Um, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things through the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory so he gets into um what is the source what is the source of our inheritance you know and that christ is the source um that even before the earth was formed before anything happened uh we were god knew that we were going to be sinners that we were going to deserve death Um, but by trusting in christ we become righteous. Um, God, work God changes us, He be, makes us new, um, and we we kind of have that divine inheritance. We re- receive that.
2: Yeah. Um, it's interesting because this inheritance, as I already mentioned before, right? It's it's um, it's. I don't want to say it's kind of like your our reward, but it is a reward because that it's mentioned in Colossians 3.24, right? That uh, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, right? Of course, that stems from us being faithful in Christ. But also in Hebrews 9.15, uh, it says, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So this inheritance, it's eternal, Right, which is, of course, it's heaven. It's the kingdom of God that we are heirs to. And Paul is just reiterating that, that we have already obtained that right, by being faithful to Christ, by believing in him um, according to the counsel of his will. It's God's will for people to believe in that. right? He wants the whole world to believe in that. But of course we know that it, it's not like that because people choose not to believe in Christ, but it's his will for that to happen. He wants that to happen. Right, but this this concept of the counsel of His will, I mean, that's a whole rabbit hole, and it's. <laughs> own. But I think the most important part we can conclude here is we see the Trinity again here, right? The counsel of His will, I think it's talking about the Trinity and how they are so in sync with each other, right? That they just do things in agreement. And, yeah,
0: and I think I, I think go ahead, Mark.
1: No, you're good, Google.
0: The verse 12 kind of just sums it up, that all of this is to the praise of his glory. Mm-hmm. All of this is for his glory, for God.
2: Yep. Um, that's verse 12. Yep. Christ, uh, our first hope to be praise of his glory. Um, going on to verse thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, I think we can wrap up this this uh, dialogue. Okay. Or so monologue. in him, you also, uh, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory.
1: This is what I was talking about earlier when we were talking about <laughs> predestination. Um, this part specifically is, to me at least, it, it might be, to tell another human this might be the most important part because this is the part we need to do something about. Up until this point, it's all God. God is the one who predestined what he was gonna do. He was the one who long ago, it was decided that Jesus was gonna die for our sins. That has nothing to do with me. I have no part in that decision. It was decided with or without me. This inheritance, is up for grabs with or without me. Everything we've read to this point is God. God doing what God does and what he decided to do based on his own will, like we read. This part is our part of it. This is the part that we need to, as it says, in him you also trusted after. So first thing, we heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. What is that? Jesus, Jesus, we heard of Jesus. We heard what he did for us. We were told that we were sinners, that we're we're born sinners and we're doomed for hell. And yet in that gospel, in the word of truth, in Jesus, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. If we believe.
0: If we believe, yes.
1: Because again, there are a lot of people who hear that truth. There's a lot of people who know about Jesus I don't think everybody in, in my church is going to heaven because there are a lot of people who hear of him. There are a lot of people who know about him. In Matthew, we read, I think did, you brought this up earlier or recently, actually, I think I, our Bible study. Um, in Matthew, I think it's chapter uh, seven, where not he says- everyone nah, calls
2: me Lord, Lord.
1: Exactly. It, a lot of people will know of this truth. They will know of Jesus. They will know what he did on their behalf. But if you don't believe personally, then you miss out on it all. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yeah, go ahead, Alex.
0: You were sealed with the Holy spirit, Mark. You touched on that, um, being sealed with the Holy spirit of promise. Um, and I think verse 14 kind of ties into that. It says that who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to praise of his glory. So the Holy spirit, um, guarantees are their inheritance and he, he, uh, will hold us sealed. He will hold us because we believe, because we trust it, um, because we received the word of truth. Yep. So we are now sealed in the Holy spirit.
2: I'm just going to add one more thing about the sealed Holy spirit part. Um, just quickly. And then Alex, you can probably wrap up. Um, I just want to elaborate on that just a little bit more on what already Alex said, just to add on to it, or maybe, uh, help us maybe see it from a different point of view so when i uh think about sealed right and the promise of uh because it's the promise of the holy spirit right who is it guarantees our inheritance when you have a seal on something it speaks of authenticity right this is something that no other religion has right when you have the holy spirit you feel it in you and you know, words can't really describe that feeling. It's just something you have to experience yourself and you have to step forward in faith, as Mark already said, and then receive that Holy Spirit. But when you do, you feel it and you feel its authenticity. And I believe like when you have that, um, that is the seal that, you know, holds you, that pushes you forward to be like, yeah, this, this Bible stuff, this Christ stuff, you know, is it's this is something real. It's not a made up story what I maybe thought originally it was. Like this is this is authentic stuff and it's worth believing in because our eternal
1: life depends on it. In Romans eight, sixteen, we read, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The spirit is like you said, it's the seal. It's the thing that tells God this is this is your child. Mm-hmm. He is with you. you. He is deserving of the inheritance that we read in the next verse. Um, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption? That seal is what basically like proves to God. He deserves that inheritance.
2: Not just to him, but to us as well. Yeah, and to Not us, that yeah. we deserve
1: it, mm-hmm. but the fact that we
2: are adopted. We truly, Christ truly died for us and he loves us. Alex.
0: and just to wrap everything in one um, in one bubble here we see that it's like food for thought for each one of us as a Christian um, it's time to think about who you really are to God why God chose you why God saved you, why he redeemed you from sin and at the same time how important you actually are as creation to God that Even though you had sinned, you were born with it and you were with it, God sent his only begotten son to save you. So what I'm trying to say here is it is a big deal. You are a big deal to God. And I think sometimes we get carried off in life so much that we're so focused on everything that's going on and are focused on some of our troubles, some of our problems, that we forget who we are to God, that we forget that we even have God. And when we pray, sometimes we pray and we even have my faith in our prayer, but we don't understand who we're praying to. Um, And I think through all of this, it reminds us that Christ not only redeemed us, he adopted us to his family. He sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And most importantly, he gave us that salvation through his blood. Uh, and I think I think those, those those points, those blessings that were mentioned in the beginning, um, this is this is all so great. This is all so important. And you are important. I am important. Each one of us is important to God. There's not one person that isn't. And that's why he wants all of us to be with him, to praise him for his glory, his ultimate glory, because he is the creator. And I think at that we can wrap up and pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving us this opportunity to study your word. Um, you see the worries and the understandings and the things that we had in our minds before God, but you clearly opened scripture up um, to all of us, to those listening, um, that you really do love us, you really do care for us, and that you took us in as children um, through our faith, through our belief, through our understanding and not only that you blessed us with many blessings and some of the blessings the most important one is giving us that salvation uh through redemption you you came you sent your only begotten son to die for our sins lord and um that is such a big step uh such a big step that we oftentimes forget about that we don't think about enough and i just want to thank you for making that step and i want to thank you for um, being that ultimate sacrifice um, for me as a sinner uh, that I may be with you in eternity um, and that I may have the Holy Spirit. Thank you for doing that and help me remind others and help others understand and think about uh, some of these important points that you mentioned today. Thank you for your scripture. Thank you for giving us this time and bless all of those who are listening. In your name be praised. Thank you for joining us today. We hope God was able to reach your heart so now you can go and share it with others. Feel free to leave any questions, prayer requests, or blessings. Join us on Instagram and share our podcast to others. And remember, always keep your heart in scripture.